Hi, my name is Amy. I'm a nurse at one of the largest hospitals in downtown Phoenix, and I've been there for about 13 years. Most of my career was spent in the adult medical, surgical, and trauma intensive care units. And, but most currently I've been a float nurse to um, all of the different procedural areas. So the coronavirus has been nothing like any of us have ever experienced. It's not how I would have imagined a large pandemic to um, affect a hospital system or an area. Um, the hospital is unusually quiet. There's no visitors. Um, they're screening for any and all people coming and going out of the hospital. And even the emergency rooms, which you would have expected to increase in number, um, are far less active than they have been in past years at the same time. It's very quiet and eerie, like everyone is waiting for something, but we're not really sure what we're waiting for. I would say the biggest change is in regards to um, this anxiety or fear that I see people experiencing. Patients, staff, educators, everyone have this um, sense of quiet anxiety that permeates almost every conversation that I have. Let's start the show. Welcome to For the Sake of Phoenix, a podcast by Missio Day Communities where we discuss how a community of God's people can learn to grow in God's ways for the sake of our city. I'm Chris Preby. I'm one of the hosts and one of the pastors of Missio Day Phoenix. We believe the Bible tells one unified story, and it's the true story of the whole world, a story that moves from creation to restoration, where Jesus is the hero and the church is invited to join in his redemptive work. Before I go any further, let me introduce you to my friend, co-pastor, and co-host of the show, Anthony Suarez. You can be known by the creator of the universe and deeply loved. And we as the church are to be an expression of that. We are to be the mediator, the ambassador, the expression of God loving his people. And so now the church is having to navigate, what does that look like in the midst of stay-at-home orders? So to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, the last few episodes, what we've been doing is looking at how the church or followers of Jesus should step up during seasons like this and really how all the time we are called to look somewhat different from the rest of the world around us, but not in a way that is judgmental, not in a way that is condemning not in a way that is trying to strong arm them into our morals, but in a way that brings good news. And so how do we bring good news in the midst of a pandemic like we're experiencing now? So what we're looking at is in a time where there's disruption of everyone's rhythms, what does it look like for followers of Jesus, the people of God, to work to develop new intentional rhythms? In a time of a scarcity mindset, 
what does it look like for the church to believe in the abundance of their king and in such a way that would bring a way of giving to others around them? The last week was looking at in a time of fear and anxiety, what does it look like for the people of God to hold on to and offer the hope and peace of Christ? And so this week, we're thinking about in a time of jobs being changed drastically. Some people are staying home and it's kind of like a little vacation because they're still collecting a paycheck and able to work from home. Some people have lost hours or even lost their job entirely. Some people are taking on a whole lot more work. And so in the midst of that, what does it look like for followers of Jesus to hold on to their vocation and really actually dive deeper into that calling and see the way that they work as a way to bless their neighbors during a season like this. Yeah, let's talk about your job because it's changed for you. You're still working, obviously. But, um, you know, let's maybe share with people, like, what your job is, what you do, and how it's been affected by this. I am a math teacher at a, a credit recovery charter high school here in Phoenix. And... It's changed quite a bit just because, so our student population um, tend to be kids who who are need to catch up on their credits for a reason. So um, a lot of them just have hard stories of why they're so behind in school. Um, some uh, were in jail, spent some time in, in jail, and so they're behind in school. Um, some of our students have had kids, so they've missed a good chunk of school um, to give birth and to raise their own kids. Um, Some just come from hard, difficult homes where school is their last, um, their last priority or their last thing they want to think of. Um, So there's just not a real high priority on education in general. And so um, they could care less about school. They're just trying to survive life. And so my regular, like my day-to-day job used to look like a lot of a lot more counseling than it did teaching math. Mm. Yeah. Because what I've found is if my students trust me, then they will trust what I'm teaching them. Mm. Um, if my students have a relationship with me, know that I'm for them, know that I want the best for them, Yeah. know that I'm not just trying to make their life miserable by teaching them how to do algebraic functions, Hmm. which for most of my students is horrible. Yeah. It's torture is miserable. Yeah. That's miserable for me. Yeah. So, um, but I found is if, if I have relationship with them, if they know that I'm for them, if they know that I love them and I care about them and I want what's best for them, then teaching them algebraic functions or teaching them, um, the distributive, um, property, kind of takes on a new context of this is something important that I think you should know. Um, but again, you get a lot of students who are just like, what's the, what's the point? When am I ever going to use this? What's the point of this? I was helping Cannon with his math yesterday and he was trying to find, find the angles of triangles. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, messaged his teacher. I'm like, Hey, have they already learned? Like, are they already doing sine cosine tangent stuff? Cause she's like, no, 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 no. They're not doing that yet there's a protract like a paper protractor you can cut out from their workbook oh. if you don't have a protractor at home. 
I was like, good, because if they're doing sine, cosine, tangent already, I can't help him. Yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> so Katoa, bro. So Katoa. I do remember that, but I don't remember what it means. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, I mean, you never like sought out being a math teacher, um, but I know, and even just hearing the way you talk about it now, I know you're passionate about what you do and, and you're thankful for that job. So like, how do you feel like that work kind of fits into your calling and yeah. what you're supposed to do with your life. Yeah. And this is where I think we'll get to in this podcast. So just the difference between vocation and occupation, mm-hmm. right? So um, my vocational calling um, is to live out my life in such a way that brings God glory and loves others well um, and points to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for God's glory and for the good of my neighbor, yeah. basically. To live out my life for God's glory and the good of my neighbor. So that could take on, you could be in any job yeah. and live out that vocational calling, right? Um, and so how that works itself out in my particular job is, uh, like, like I said, a lot of it just involves counseling my students. A lot of it just is talking about life, what's going on in their life, the hardships, um, what home life looks like, what life looks like with their friends, um, the drama of high school breakups Mm -hmm. and relationships. In some ways with my students, math is secondary. Mm. My heart for my students is that they would know that they are loved. And so I see my primary role as a teacher is to communicate to my students in a way that says, hey, I want to know you. I want to know the hard stuff that's going on in your life. And I'm going to try and love you in a way, one, that's appropriate as a teacher to a student, (laughs) right? But love you in a way, and a lot of that love for them is just to be present. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of students tell me like, hey, I love talking to you because I know you won't judge me for the things that I do, but you'll hear me and you'll sit and listen. Yeah, and the vehicle for that is teaching math. Yeah. Um, which is really cool because, like, in that process, not only the vehicle for this bigger calling uh, and this bigger role in their lives is math, but it's also, like, while you are doing this, while you're, um, your primary thing is, is showing them you care for them, that there's someone who will listen, who will be with them, who loves them, uh, that they can be known and loved. While that's happening, at the same time, you're also serving them in a real, tangible, practical life skills way. Yeah. Right. Like you're you're teaching them what they need to know to survive and and move forward in life. And so, it's not even just like this byproduct. Um, it's secondary in the way you're saying of like order of importance for sure. Right. There's this realistic part of that in my job too. Like you you need to know math. Right. 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 You. So I, I always try and relate it back to life skills and not just necessarily keep math. In the yeah, context. and teaching them how to problem solve and to stick with something mm-hmm. until they've accomplished it and all the, those things. So like in this process of giving them education, you are doing the very thing you're actually called to also. Like that's a part of loving them is, mm. you know, like to, to give them the tools they need to succeed in life is also part of that loving them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just as much as um, 
when you're when you're able to sit and, and listen to like them share their problems, kind of counsel them through that. Said something that affected like your occupation serves your vocation or mm-hmm. your occupation is like it, it's kind of under your vocation um and so to kind of flesh out what those two things are you know when i was in high school we had vocational ed we had these vocational classes to take there's vocational schools or trade schools so like a lot of times we get the idea of when we hear vocation we think of jobs we mm-hmm. think of work and we conflate it with that word occupation um, but you were talking about, in a sense, like you have this bigger vocational, you said, calling on your life, mm-hmm. which is what that word means. The Latin vocare is to call. So vocate your vocation is a calling on your life. And you found a way to live that out in your occupation. And like you said, there's probably lots of different occupations you could hold and still live that out. Um Amy Sherman has, you've read that book, Kingdom Calling, right? Mm-hmm. She has that grid. The, the it's a good little, book, by the way, if you've never read it. Yeah, and you so struggle good. with vocation and occupation and finding your worth in occupation, I highly recommend that. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. She's got that Venn diagram of um, your vocational sweet spot is what she mm-hmm. calls it. And so what she does is she takes um, one circle is, these are the things you're, you're passionate about or you're skilled or gifted in. And another circle is these are the needs around you. And then a, the third circle on the top is these are God's priorities for the world or mm-hmm. his cares, his concerns for the world. And your vocational sweet spot is when all three of those meet together in the middle. Right. Uh, and so there's lots of things God has priorities for that you find in scripture. Like he, that he cares for and has concern over. Like he wants the poor and the widow and the orphan to be cared for and provided for. He wants to see, economic flourishing he wants to see ecological flourishing he uh, wants to see that his name is being shared throughout the nations um all kinds of things like you can go on and on justice you know mercy right um and god's priorities and then so then looking at but what are the unique ways he's gifted me or the ways he's put passions inside of my heart that match that Mm-hmm. Um, when you start rattling off some of those things of God's cares and concerns and his priorities, which one kind of like triggers you to like, yes, I care about that too, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm actually good at something that could serve that. Mm-hmm. And then finally that, that third one of like the world's needs around you. And usually if you're looking for like the needs around you, it's when one of God's priorities is not happening. Mm-hmm that creates a need. So like when there's homeless people in your community, well, guess what? God's one of his priorities is that that would not happen. That every person has the dignity of 
being an image bearer, made in his image, and that every person is contributing and that every person is provided for, that there aren't people going hungry. And Mm -hmm. typically when we think of like finding a job, an occupation, we're just looking at, um, one, we're looking at a whole other grid, what's going to make the most money, right? (laughs) Right? Or maybe we might hop into that one circle of what are my passions and my gifts? Like what am I good at? Mm -hmm. Uh, But typically we're not looking at, the, the three spheres together. Right. And so that's where like thinking of what am I going to do for a living falls short of what is the thing God has called me to in this world. My name is Bethany Parebi, and I am the director of Cultivate Coffee. I run both the day-to-day logistics of our coffee shop as well as our youth mentoring program. Uh, Prior to COVID-19, Cultivate was in daily use of being a place for people to gather and hang out, whether it was for our youth mentoring program um, where we'd have our group gatherings or if it was people coming together for meetings or getting together with friends sitting around the table and sharing coffee, there was always people and conversations um, happening at Cultivate. Since um, COVID-19 has really caused us to go to the stay-at-home order, it looks very different. Um, All the tables are put up and our space is empty inside and we've moved to uh, curbside only. Our youth mentoring has um, gone down to just one-on-ones when they are working with us in their internship. So it, it's changed a lot. Um, and when it first happened, the curbside kind of created a culture where we would uh, take their order, go and make their drinks, bring it back and go back inside to get going on the next order. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, just kind of had to pray about if I was really um, living up to the standard of what Cultivate is of coffee, culture, and community. And so I'm really trying to be more intentional with um, those who come to Cultivate uh, to take a minute by the car and ask how their day is, be ready to engage if they're ready to engage. Um, And it's the same thing with our youth. We don't get to see them all together and that dynamic of group mentoring, but um, really trying to be intentional with the one-on-one time that we have. Um, A lot of how we are now loving our neighbors um, is just checking on the needs of our youth. Uh, Do they have enough toilet paper? Do they have medicine and these sort of things and running to the store for many of them and dropping off toilet paper um, and, and just making sure that they are not um, forgotten during this time. So a lot of text messaging and, um, that sort of thing. So that is how things look right now and hoping to get to go back to normal very soon.
do you think there's a difference in what God has called his people to as a whole and then maybe what he's called you to as an individual? I, I think God has a calling for his people in general. And you see that with Israel. They were blessed to be a blessing to the nations. Mm. They were a royal priesthood. They were to uh, display to the rest of the world what God is like. I think you see that in Adam. You know, he was to be an image bearer. And, and Adam and Eve, the first two people, they were to represent what God is like to the rest of creation. So I think there's a big calling on God's people. Is there ever a calling on an individual? I think you could go to Jesus calling his disciples. Mm. He called each one of them individually for the purpose of walking with him, for the purpose of, I, I guess, under that same vocational calling, I, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. You are going to walk with me in these next three to four years. Learn from me. You're going to get a glimpse of, of who my father is and who, what my father is like. Mm. And so when, when I leave you, you will carry on this mission of, yeah. of being those image bearers. Yeah, that's a great example of that because he called specific people. Who were in the midst of an occupation. Right. To a greater calling. Right. Yeah, drop your nets, come follow me. He, he changed their occupation in order to match their calling more. I think that's mm-hmm. necessary to realize is there are times like you're in the wrong job. You're not filling the thing God's called you to. Uh, I think some other examples of individual callings is like Moses. Mm -hmm. God very specifically called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. Um, Joseph had a very specific calling of leading people through the famine. Right. Um, Even the prophets, right? Like, yeah, even all the prophets. Yeah. Specifically speaking in and through them to the greater people. Mm-hmm. The priests, there was a, a line mm-hmm. of Levitical priesthood. Uh, Abra- Abraham. Yeah, yeah. Started with Started one man there. and built a nation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so looking at that, like, and and let's take the priests as the example, right, for right now. Like, he called all of them, all of Israel, a royal priesthood. But he had a specific people within that people <laughs> to be the, the priests for Israel. And so I think what we see is there's this bigger overarching vocation for all of God's people. And then we have individual callings that fall underneath that. Like they need to line up with, if you feel like the thing God's called you to, um, is like totally out of line with, with what he's called all of his people to, then it's probably not accurate. You know, right. Take some time to reassess. But like the way you described your calling, like it's to say it again. You, you, the way you summed up your calling was like perfect. I think I said, if I remember, I think I said <laughs> my vocational calling is to glorify God for the good of my neighbor or something like that. Yeah. Which is like, I mean that that's definitely within that boundaries of what we described as the the calling for all people, right? To display to the rest of creation what God's like. Um, as He blesses us, we use that to be a blessing to others. 
So it's, it's, it's loving caring for people while pointing to the one who's provided yeah. it. There's, there's this um, term thrown around a lot in the world of pastors of bivocation, mm. uh, which means doesn't mean what it sounds like. It actually, like when people use that word, they're talking about you work a second job right? while you're also pastoring a church. To be by occupation. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we had one time in our, uh, when I was going through MTC, which is the school you're at, um, one of our visiting professors was asking us to go around and say what we do. And there was this like constant like, yeah, I'm, I'm bivocational, blah, blah, blah. And it almost became like this uh, competition. Like someone was like, I'm tri-vocational. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I was just like, I have one vocation. And a whole bunch of occupations yeah. under that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, but that was like a moment where it just clicked for me. Like it hadn't before then. Like a moment of sudden, like, I think the spirit helping me to realize, like, I, I have this calling for you. For me, my calling, I feel like, is, and this took so many years to flesh out, but it's to help equip God's people to live in their purpose and calling. Um, and I've done that in speaking at public schools. Mm-hmm. I've done that in uh, this coffee shop that we run here in employing young people, mm. helping to develop them. And I do that in pastoring at Missio. Those are three completely different jobs where you can go like, how in the world does speaking at schools, roasting coffee mm-hmm. and being a pastor, like how do you juggle all those three? For me, it's not juggling. It's like all of those are fueling one goal, one purpose, a calling I feel like God's put in my life, which mm-hmm. to equip people to live in the calling and purpose God has for them mm-hmm. fits under that overall vocation of God's people of bringing glory to him yeah. and loving your neighbor. The question is, how does that change when your occupation changes, especially when your occupation changes by force? i.e. right now people are losing hours or they're losing their jobs completely or they're doing it from home. I don't, I don't know if it necessarily changes your vocational calling, how you, how you do that in the context of where you're doing it might change. So, and now today um, it looks a lot different. I don't see my students. Uh, And some of my students, so with everything being online, or just delivering packets. I, I only see my students if they come to pick up their schoolwork packets every two weeks. Which how um, many of them do that? Which not a <laughs> lot do. Um, and so the hard part is with a lot of my students, I, I don't need, like they haven't logged into school. They haven't come pick, to pick up a packet. And so because of the home life, a lot of my students, um, I, I don't know how they are, you know? So uh, I don't know if they're safe. I don't know if they're okay and well. Um, so it's changed in a way where I, I can't physically be present and sit and listen um, to my students, and kind of help them navigate life. So I've tried to figure out what that looks like in the midst of stay at home, in the midst of not seeing them. I, 
spend a lot of time in prayer for them. Um, Because I do have faith that God knows exactly where they're at and will meet them exactly where they're at. Um, And it's logging in for those that are able to Mm. get online. That's a unique way in this time of just being present, like you talked about. Yeah. Just being available. Even if they're not logging in. (laughs) Yeah. But like you're you're still making yourself available and present. beginning of this episode, we heard from Amy, a nurse trying to navigate her vocation in the midst of the fears and anxieties going on around the hospital. Let's hear the rest of her story. Patients, staff, educators, everyone have this um, sense of quiet anxiety that permeates almost every conversation that I have. What's happening how did this, how did it all get like this? What's it going to be like in the future? Am I in danger? Is there something else that's going on that we don't know about? And um, even in my own heart, there's been this desire to um, hoard shifts if available, because there's not that people are losing, losing time. Um, as I talk with people, I felt the push to engage in that fear and uncertainty. And at home, where my kids are here and my husband's here, um, there's moments where I feel like I'm so out of control and lonely. Like I don't have a good plan and I don't know how to homeschool my kids. And, And as I fear and as I hear fear and anxiety, I'm reminded to trust my Savior, to be able to listen to my coworkers and Um, those in my life and offer support to engage in emotional, um, to be able to hopefully point them to Jesus. Um, I've been able to give up that desire to control how many shifts I get and been able to give those shifts away if available to other people who actually have need. And I've been able to see God's faithfulness to strengthen my marriage, especially through just being together more. Um, with him, with my husband being home working, um, it's just been kind of a nice, a nice break to be able to rest together. Um, in all, I would say that this time has been just a really great reminder of um, our lack of control and our need to trust in God for who He is, in His goodness, and that His plan or His purpose for us is that we would be His faithful servants at work and at home. No matter what the chaos of my house or what the quiet of my work environment may look like, God is good and God is in control. Yeah, and one of the things I want to be careful of is confusing my vocation with being busy. Mm. And so I think one of the things in in this time of stay at home 
there's been a reality where I've I've created things to be busy with mm. and have missed the opportunities to be present with my family. So last week when Dan was here, we were talking a lot about um, starting with being mm-hmm. and then what you do flows out of that. So your identity first, this is who you are. Don't, don't start with what do I do, but start with who, who are you because of what Christ has done, because of who God is. You're being first and then move into now, how do I live that out? What do I do? Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing you say is um, that's the distinction with vocation and occupation. Occupation yeah. is what do you do? And that's like the question when you meet someone, it's like, oh, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. And we want to hear like their occupation. I'm a teacher. I'm a, you know, whatever. But that's great. But your vocation is who you are. Mm-hmm. Your vocation is your being. And I'm hearing you say to kind of, you can rest in that. You don't have to, to hurry and, and busy yourself in order to make your vocation true about you. Your vocation is true about you because God has called you. It's what he has done and who he's made you to be. So now you have this vocation, this calling on your life. And you can rest in the fact that he's called you to do that. And so he will equip you to do that. And it's his spirit that will empower you to do that. Now, your occupation or if you're, and when we say occupation, that doesn't necessarily mean your employment. Mm -hmm. But like the role God has placed you in your life at this season is what you can do to live out that being, that vocation of who you are. This is this could be a season where you're doing a whole lot less, and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um, but to rest in the fact that your vocation has not changed, you're still called to be this representative of God to the world around you. Yeah, and I love that. I love that we're trying to take it out of the context of just being specific to occupation, right? Because if we are living out of who we are, if we're living out of our vocation, if we're sitting in and operating out of who we are, who God has created us to be, then that affects all of life. Mm. Like you said, like all roles and responsibilities are affected by that, not just your occupation. So my role as husband, as dad, as teacher, as elder, as student, all of these different roles, as son, as brother, um, all of these different roles and responsibilities should be lived out of who I am mm-hmm. and who God has created me to be. And that way I am, be, I am able to be fully present in each of those different roles and responsibilities if I'm living out of my vocational calling, if I'm living out of who I am. Otherwise, it gets distorted and we get busy. Yeah. We get worn out. We hate our jobs. Right. Our families are frustrating. Mm. Um, yeah. We get anxious. We get fearful. Yeah. Um, want something else. Want something new. Want something different. Our friend, Charlie, who pastors at Missio Tempe, uh, said the other day in a meeting, This statement of praying that we would not have anxious activity, but a prayerful response, which I just think everything you're saying is reminding me of that statement right now. Mm, Why don't you flesh that out a little more? Yeah. So 
especially when something like this happens, a pandemic comes or, um, you know, just life rhythms are, are thrown upside down and um, a crisis hits or anytime something kind of takes you off guard. Typically our human response is to uh, move into anxious activity, which means this busyness you're talking about. I gotta, Mm. I gotta run around. I gotta fix this or I gotta make sure I'm doing enough to value. You asked me a question the other day. If I felt like I was um, needing to validate my paycheck right now because we're not meeting as a church physically, uh, am I just adding more stuff onto my plate to kind of validate like, Hey, I, I still keep, <laughs> keep my prove, salary going. to prove you're worthy. Yeah. To prove you're worthy enough of your paycheck. Right. Which was such a great question for me to examine for myself. Um, and I think that is a tendency for us as humans is we, we go into this anxious activity as Charlie put it. And so we're going, we're trying uh, to run over here and do this and run over there and do that. When I don't think that's what God wants from us. It's not that, not that God wants us to sit back and do nothing, mm-hmm. but what he wants is for us to sit and rest in him, listen. And so in, in prayer, asking the spirit, where are you leading me to respond right now? Uh, Cause otherwise we're running around like a chicken with our head cut off and we're trying to do all these things and just like throwing it all at the wall and seeing what sticks. But if we were, we're resting in God and in tune with the spirit, um, listening to, okay, what are you calling me to right now? Mm-hmm. You know, that vocation, where are you leading me? Um, and then when he answers, move on it. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't do nothing, right? We are called to do something. Um, but let that flow out of, out of your communion with the spirit, out of your being present with him and him being present with you listening to him, resting in him. And then he's going, okay, I, here's where I want you to move. And I'm going with you. And I'm going before you and I will empower you along the way. And then like you're doing the work now out of a much different source of strength and a different energy and out of a, a reserve that won't run empty. Our tendency in, in a very much consumeristic culture, it's very easy to define ourselves by our paycheck. Yeah, it's very easy for us to find our worth, our purpose, and and not even just the paycheck, but our jobs, our occupations, right? So I am only valuable if I'm helping students learn math. I'm only valuable if I'm counseling them, right? I'm only valuable if, uh, or or worth getting paid, if I'm performing my my duties and responsibilities as teacher or whatever occupation you have, Mm. plumber, um, electrician, pastor, right? All of those different responsibilities. So we tend to find our worth in those things. So when we can't do those in a normal setting or how we've always done them, if I found my worth and my identity and my value in my occupation, then when that's taken away or looks completely different, like I would, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. Be devastated. Right. You know? You're, again, like you said, your value and worth isn't in what you are doing, but really more 
who are you doing it for? Yeah. And whose power are you doing it through? Uh, I, I'd encourage people to, to in this time, take a step back and, and prayerfully examine, like, what is your vocational calling? So what has God called us generally to? What are the things in scripture that he says, hey, this this is my heart. This is the people I'm for. This is this is um this is how I want you as my son or daughter to live your life in whatever capacity that I have you in for my glory and for the good of your neighbor. And then how do you live that out in no matter what job you have, but in all of life and all of your different roles and responsibilities? Yeah, we have a resource for that on our website, actually. So if you go to missiophx.com, on the left side, there's a link for resources. And we have a, a document along with a series of videos there called Workship. That's your work as worship. And it talks, it begins with what is vocation and what is the vocation of God's people uh, and it was meant to be a five-week, I think, um, curriculum for groups to go through, for our missional communities to go through together. But it's something you can go through at, on your own, at your home, or uh, maybe you want to hop on Zoom with some people and go through it together, however you want to do that. But you can download that for free uh, and really just kind of work through. It has the vocational sweet spot diagram. It has some other tools to help you kind of diagnose what are your skills, what are your gifts, uh, what resources do you have that God's given you, and identify the needs around you, and just work through who is God calling me to be in any season and stage of life that I might find myself in, and what are some practical ways that I can live that out. All right, join us next week as we dive into the topic of technology. What is a wise use of technology in this current pandemic? Technology can be a very good thing and help us to be present with people that we're not able to see physically, but also it can be dangerous in helping us withdraw from people. So how do we navigate technology?